0: Welcome to Nerdist Podcast, number 367. Someone, possibly by the name of Skydart, cannot be ripped away from Animal Crossing, which she ran out today to purchase.
1: I was on the fence about it,
2: and then I had to get it, and now I am stuck forever.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I've never seen one sort of animal sell so many pairs to another sort of animal. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this has really been mind-bending.
1: Oh my god! Wait until it's winter.
0: No, you don't
1: even you don't even know what the crops are like.
0: I I won't find don't even out. Know. <laughs> no, I'm kind of invested. Extreme
1: bear picking.
0: <laughs> I'm kind of invested. Uh, hey, thanks if you came out to see the shows in Salt Lake City the past couple of days. I'm uh, headed off to Philly next. Helium, June 27, 28th, and 29th. Go to nurse.com/calendar. Also, uh, we have our big show, The Saturday Night of uh, San Diego Comic-Con. That's a live podcast at the Bobo Theater, so check that out as well. Hey, I'd like to thank a snazzy new sponsor to the Nervous Podcast, Hulu Plus. Right, you probably streamed Hulu, but now there's Hulu Plus, and Hulu Plus basically gives you all of everything. Hulu, you'll get a limited number of shows in the current season, but a Hulu Plus, you can binge on full seasons. You can watch all your current shows. You can watch uh, full series runs, classic TV shows, shows like Community or Modern Family or South Park or SNL or Family Guy or The Colbert Report. That's all for 7.99 a month at HuluPlus.com. Forward slash Nerdist, by the way, is a special promotional offer that we're extending to Nerdist podcast listeners. You basically can get a free trial, and we'll extend it for you. *Downton Abbey*, Hulu Plus. *Grey's Anatomy*, Hulu Plus. *New Girl*, Hulu Plus.
3: This is the, the worst office. rap I've ever heard Hulu in my pl- life.
0: It's prose rap. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's
0: prose rap. <laughs> I'm tired of rap. You know, look, rap is rhyme talking, but I want a prose talk.
1: Rhyme talking.
0: Yep. That is HuluPlus.com forward slash Nerdist, all lowercase. This episode is Alex Winter, who uh, I'm sure you know as Bill S. Preston Esquire um, from, of course, Bill & Ted's. Huge Doctor Who nod in there, though, if you hadn't caught it before. Of course you had. But Alex basically gave up acting in 93 and started directing, uh, and he directed a movie that we on the podcast are huge fans of, which is called Freaked. And uh, he's just a fantastic guy. And as you'll hear in this interview, uh, like proto-nerd with the Internet. I think Alex Winter might be the Internet, I think is what we determined. But he's got a movie that he uh, directed called Downloaded, which is uh, a limited run in theaters on June 21st, then available on VOD July 1st. But it's essentially about the rise and fall of Napster and Sean Fanning and Sean Parker. So uh, get it in a couple weeks when it's available. Or if it's after July 1st, then rush right now to the internet that you're probably on, the Nerds Podcast number 367, with Alex Winter.
1: (laughs) I got stung by bees.
0: (laughs) None of that's real.
3: Now entering... Nerdist.com. com uh, I right here? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I told you, he's yeah. fun to beat up on. When he asked for a coffee, I was so excited to get to tell to do something. <laughs>
0: you can tell him to do stuff. You're you our know. guest.
2: You can have the normal uh, size water.
0: Yeah, you, get, you don't have to have a water nub. This is basically yeah. a shot
2: of water. Yeah, I see. know. I
3: love those. These teeny little things. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. How do we
2: create more waste? What is more waste?
1: Well, I think the idea behind it was like, you know, like for production, because I only ever see them on productions. Oh, like the, one, little, the nubs? The right. Bo- right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like people always drink half a
0: bottle of water and then leave it. So you're saying that people. Drink more of these than those. No, I'm and saying this creates more I mean, waste. I think that's the idea yeah. behind the original production of the Yebs. Yeah, I want to know what Alex Winter thinks about this. But could where are you where do you weigh in right now politically on the water nub?
3: I've given it an enormous amount of thought, <laughs> <laughs> and whatever that was just went clean out of my head. Okay, <laughs> now I, and I get these all the time, both when I'm shooting and just like in various places. And uh, the funny thing, the other I was somewhere the other day where they would they were being. Conservative with their little nubs. Yes. They're like I'm sorry, we can only give you one nub. I'm like, well, if you give me like four of them, I'll have like the equivalent of one glass of water. <laughs> Just for the record, like the whole idea of like of like water becoming this commodity. Yeah. That like you can't have more of. No. Well, you do, know the they world's they gone plum crazy when that happens, the, yeah. right? The
2: Nestle CEO bought a shit ton of water up in Canada, and he's like, I don't think water should be free. <laughs>
3: So, oh, yeah! yeah. yeah. So I this, had the same thought but yeah. I did not have the business acumen to pull it off <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> but, but I love the idea of yeah. just putting your arms around a resource and saying screw it I'm yeah. charging should you should I it. direct another movie or should I yeah. dam off all the water <laughs> yes, from humanity right. Monsanto
1: Wait, has copyrighted
3: water Okay. I feel like uh, did Lex Luthor do that?
0: Wasn't that like his Well, whole plan? he his plan was to uh, basically create It's to sink California into the water Right And then create beachfront property in Nevada right. So he
3: and the CEO of Nestle have a lot in common They have vel- yeah. <laughs> Wait, which,
0: which, which movie was that, the plot?
2: Hook? That was the first Donor. one That was the first Donner movie okay. The, good, the so really good when one Superman
3: Returns He's just doing
2: it again This time he's just making continents Wait, so he would have beachfront property.
3: Oh, and Superman returns. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I just yeah.
2: wanted—I just wanted to be sure. But that you that won't have Ned Beatty
3: running around in a pork pie hat. No, oh. yeah, that's too bad. Mister
0: Luthor, <laughs> hey, Mister <laughs> Luthor. Oh, Mister Luthor. the greatest thing in the world. That was fantastic. And yeah. when you really think about it, maybe like a just really a couple years after um, after the uh, uh, oh, God damn it! What is the, what is those what they trying to scratch
3: it. himself in that's the right. air? People who the deliverance. Oh okay. Oh, I'm not good at charades. That was band? Uh, I, uh, I thought you were doing air guitar. I, I was, was like doing. I right, right, okay. think you was know, just know. squeezing just one mouth. of those <laughs> blow
0: up guitars you get at a fair. So a couple years <laughs> after Deliverance, then Mr. Luthor, hey, Mr. it. Yeah, it was <laughs> a hell of a comeback. Still a fucking great movie. Oh, the best. Both of those movies are great. Pretty soon, water will just be the cap. You'll just get a cap. Yeah,
3: and it'll be like nine dollars. Yeah. Just like a hummingbird. You'll yeah. just have to just, drink it at some yeah. fancy bar in Venice. All water yeah. will be priced yeah. like yeah. it's Woodstock 98. Our water's yeah. more wet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
0: welcome to the show.
3: Alex. Thank Once you, sir. It's
1: a pleasure to
0: meet you. Thank I you. I, uh, I was a big fan of uh, Freaked. Uh, yeah, Freaked loved is the great. shit out of that movie. Idiot box. Yeah, oh thirty-five
3: God. years later, it looks like we have a Blu-ray of Freak coming out. No way! <laughs> oh, no, like August sixth, I think it just got announced yesterday. That's yeah. great. I've been fighting for it for decades. Well, but... it'd be
2: weird if you had a Blu-ray come out earlier. <laughs>
3: well, like twenty yet, years ago, it would have been There's really that edged. Edged. It's it's DVDs it's are gone now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are
0: pretty much. Yeah. So it's still a little late. Yeah, I guess they kind of are gone now. Yeah. It's basically Blu-ray or you just thumb drive, or yeah, or yeah. thumb drive, <laughs> or you yeah, just, just a that company
1: shit. blows it your way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have the that was great. yeah, and
0: then you get the you you get the experience. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so so many things I want to talk to you about, uh, but first I di- I watched Downloaded last night. Oh, cool! And and totally fascinated by. I mean, I I I knew the sort of broad strokes of uh, Sean Fanning and Parker and the and the Napster thing, but uh, I didn't really know. I didn't really know all of the details. I didn't really right. know how many steps along the way it seemed like, oh, you know, they could still pull it off and the, they could make a deal with the recording. No, yeah. no, <laughs> no. The recording industry just went in with the iron giant and yeah. it turned into a giant. Exactly. A, yeah. a I am not a
3: gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but just, yeah. just that idea where, uh, where it, it felt like the recording industry prevailed and then they realized, like, Oh yeah, people are just gonna do this anyway. Yeah,
3: that's right. There yeah. was a sort of head scratching moment after the four hundred million dollars of legal fees. Of uh, oh, it didn't actually stop anything anyway.
0: Oh, wow. the the oh, internet. Well. Is come is back, wait, come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> come back. We're just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was <What>? only kidding. <laughs> and I'm ninety, and you yeah. sued me for yeah. fifty grand. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, so. Sorry. <laughs> um, d- did you uh, did you approach those guys about that, or did they? How did the how did download it come together?
3: Uh, in brief, you know, it, yeah. So it's the rise and fall of Napster, which, um, you know, being older than twelve, which I am, I'll give that much away. Sure. Um, uh you know i sort of had bridged the analog to digital it was that generation that bridged the analog to digital gap in a big way and that i was a big napster user i was really big into the internet when it showed up and for layman in like the early 90s i was really into bbs groups and yeah, sure. you know the alt groups mm-hmm. and, you know um i wasn't so much an irc but basically the beginning of social networks and communities online was really something i was interested in and then napster in 98 dial-up super slow, internet barely works, and then suddenly you have this thing that shows up that was really fast, connected you to people around the world right away, Um, you know, file sharing, you know, chat, all the stuff that just hadn't happened before. So I was a huge proponent. And then, you know, probably... A month before it went offline, I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, is this legal?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I can just take all this? yeah, th- it's it, like ninety gigabytes of hard drive space later. Right, like, but it, but it is sort of, <laughs> it is sort of like it, 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 thinking of
0: the idea is is not so much that Napster is a is a music piracy service, but um, a a really powerful indexing service, completely. Which, yeah. it, com- you know, like if you if you strip away, um. <laughs> The legality, of, but it really, <laughs> yeah. it really did, it really did change the way that um, that we could get files to people and share, and, and 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 I and I remember feeling like, wait, so anything, anyone, really, yeah. like that? That's that was the first, that was, well, the first time that I ever felt like, oh, we're all a community on the internet. Was like AOL ninety four. Mm-hmm. And then the second time where I felt like, oh, fuck, we really are like the, like there is a localized community of the world coming together was was Napster.
3: Yeah, that's exactly how I felt, too, because for me, it was that was the whole thing. It just blew doors open. Like suddenly everything that had been clunky it had been promising, but clunky was suddenly really fat. Like it was the beginning of the Internet being a real time global community for me. Yeah. And that was much more interesting to me than the file sharing side, because we just had never had anything like that before. So it was really revolutionary. And then, obviously, it got shut down, and I, and I was really taken by the story of Fanning and Parker and what they had gone through. And it wasn't just like, you know, they were heroes or something. It was, this was before we sort of looked at internet people as heroes or villains, right. you know? They were just these two kids who invented something really interesting that had a lot of, you know, complexity and legal issues around it, no doubt, right? So there was a lot of gray area, and I just found it a really fascinating cultural story. So I met them in, like, 0 and pitched them making a movie of their story in '02. When Napster was just crumbling oh, wow. um, And I wrote it and they signed on I wrote it as a narrative for MTV I was gonna do it to direct it there And then they stopped making. it was like it was like chasing the tsunami like you know as reality TV was like Destroying everything you know they stopped making movies altogether then I sold it to Paramount and they stopped me ma- You know MTV films out of making movies and I walked away from it in like 0405 and then like in 09 i was just kind of freaked out by how much divisiveness there still was in the internet community like there was i figured that all these issues would have gotten solved like surely once steve jobs came along and said no people aren't thieves they want to buy content really and everyone did i figured a lot of this stuff was going to go away and yet in 2009, it was like right before SOPA and all this stuff, everything was getting more heated yeah. and more fractious and more divisive. And nobody seemed to know what the hell was going on and who were the good guys and who were the bad guys. And, you know, Bradley Manning's a hero. No, he's the Antichrist. No, we have to like stop everyone from using the Internet. No, we need to be more free with the Internet. And I was like, all right, I met everybody. I knew all the players on the label side, the tech side and all that. I thought... Why don't I just get out of the way and make it a doc instead of a narrative and mm-hmm. let them just tell the story themselves? And that's why I went back to the story so many years later. And that's how it came out as a doc. It's really fun. It's funny, it's funny to watch um,
0: Sean Fanning's family who sees like, hey, these Boston guys. You know, <laughs> totally. His brother's like, hey, 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 yeah. and all these uh, these guys are coming over and they're camping on a floor. Yeah. And, then you cut sh- and then you cut to Sean Fanning yeah. and he's the most articulate. Like, where did he, how did he, uh, like, yeah. he doesn't
3: even. Yeah, he's anomalous. I mean, he's an anomalous human being. I mean, you are dealing with—that's the thing that I love about the Napster stories. Whether you, you know, whether you agree with what they did or not, you know, they are two of the most interesting individuals I've ever met, by far. <laughs> and Sean Parker looks—I <laughs> love the idea that. Uh, uh, they like that must have been good for Ezekiel like, Oh, they
0: got Justin Timberlake to play me in the Facebook movie? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You see him like Okay, well they're both white guys. Yeah,
3: exactly. Uh. Yeah. I know. I mean that was the first when I first showed Parker, I've known those guys a long time when I first showed him any of the movie, you know, the only thing he reacted to was like, Oh Christ, look at my hair <laughs> You know <laughs> these sort of like nineties like, you know, streak tips hair yep. and you know, bobble neck. They were 17 years old. They were kids. Oh my god! What was the first? What, what
0: was your? What was your uh, biggest discovery on Napster when you first started? When you realized, like, oh shit, I could totally. What, what did you start downloading?
3: Um, well, everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> for me, for me, I wasn't even so much. It, it, you know, one of I. I can't That's remember, actually not true. I can't remember which guy said it in the in the in the OTF um, interviews, but. Um, there was one guy that was like, "Yeah, but the, the the one of the powerful things was to get things
3: that you were just not commercially available." That was Larry Lessig. That's actually how I approached it because I was already I already had my music collection. Right. I'd already been around long enough to have been suckered into buying vinyl and then everything again on cassette and then everything again on CD. Yeah. And so I had my record collection four times over by the time Napster showed up. So yeah. I was mostly using it to get like rare jazz bootlegs. Right. For, that's yeah. what, like when I when it first showed up. That's what I used it for for global community because I was like being into like the alt rec bbs's in those mm-hmm. days so i was using the internet to find music that way then you would go buy it but it would, someone would be like oh you haven't you like coltrane why don't you check out this trumpet player from blah 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 go buy this and so immediately i was making friends in japan germany finland who were turning me on to all this stuff i'd never heard of in fact i went to i was directing a lot of music videos in those days and i remember going to columbia records um on a music video i was shooting and one of the heads of columbia records came in because he heard i was working on the napsa store i thought he was going to kick me out of the building this is like 02. And he was like, No, I love Napster. I was like, Why? He's like, Because we've been missing a whole chunk of the Coltrane archive here at Columbia, and they found it on a guy's hard drive oh, in Japan. Oh, shit. Like, oh, wow. really high quality stuff. That they, and they were able to, to round out their own, like Columbia's own Coltrane, ar- Coltrane archive using. Well, they, they sued it out of him, right? Well, yeah. no, that guy's in jail now. He's, yeah, of course, he's, of he's next door to Bradley but Manning. The important thing is, <laughs> they got the yeah. music. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they got it back. They brought it back
3: to the conglomerates that own it. Yes, <laughs> have the rights to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they. Uh, they Extracted whatever was left out of Alice Coltrane's like, bank account.
0: God, I would go in there and just search. You know, I would get these yeah. weird. Like, you know, Radiohead covered The Spy Who Loved Me and at a live right. show and someone like I would just I would just enter covers yeah. in a search in the search field and just get the most amazing. I uh, remember
3: like doing dumb stuff like, you know, finding the 25 different versions of For What It's Worth, the Buffalo Springfield song. <laughs> There's like a barbershop quartet version, a Willie Nelson version, a, Ro- a Rasta version. The Candy Quasite. Skins covered yeah, it. Seriously. Yeah. It's like and you'd have like Drive like really whacked out. But. In those days, it's really, there's nothing like Napster anymore, so it's hard to describe for people who weren't around then that you could type in anything. Right. and it would show up. And it didn't matter if it was a Madonna single or something just insanely rare, like, you know, you know, throat singers from the Ukraine. <laughs> sure. You would get it in, like, droves. Well,
0: now it's now it's basically, like, torrent sites and, like, Pirate right. Bay and, right. st- and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a little harder to search, because no matter what you type in, you get porn. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I know exactly. that most of the time you're typing in porn, but on the occasion that you're not, yeah. is, you still just get porn.
0: If you put yeah. in throat singer, you're gonna get porn. You're gonna porn. get porn, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. That maybe porn.
3: that's why I keep tapping. <laughs> that, it? That's
0: yeah. probably what keeps happening.
3: But the Throat singer porn is actually pretty valuable. It's not bad because yeah. they can yeah.
0: sing at the same time. Yeah, that's what's yeah. surprising about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the Eastern
3: right. European ones are pretty. Interesting. Anyway, <laughs> where were
0: we? One part of the uh, <laughs> no, I want to keep going down this <laughs> part. Um yeah. But that's what he said. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mixed it up a little bit. And I felt dirty. Gender bent it. <laughs> no. um, just uh, so when you when you first started uh, when you first started digging around online, did people have any idea that you were you? At no, that, that I point. mean, maybe
3: that was another thing that I liked about it. Fanny talks about the anonymity of the Internet, which, of course, is long gone. There's no anonymity anywhere in the world anymore. <laughs> Except for <laughs> trolls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. the <It's> a bastard. <laughs> um... But, uh, you know, the the anonymity of it was cool, um, was that you could sort of just be another person, you know, and your your interests, Sean talks about this in the movie, your interests were what validated you online, not anything else about who you were. Yeah. And that, that was appealing. But that would have been appealing to me personally, whether I was a quasi-celebrity or not, because it's just kind of my nature. Um, and that's something that Fanning and I connected on was like the idea that global community could be something where you know social standing, class, all that stuff would just get wiped away and it was just about what you were about. Yeah the early days of the net was all about that, which yeah. is really interesting.
0: Uh, when did you first go online?
3: <sighs> um, I would say ninety eighty nine ninety somewhere in there. Oh
0: wow. That's yeah. early, early. I, I thought I thought I was pretty badass at like ninety three.
3: Well, but yeah, ninety three is pretty early. But in the in the early, I remember um, in like around ninety, I started getting into into news groups yeah. and connecting to people that way. And then you could also because I was directing at that time, you could use it to like the internet was a really great research resource even back then. Right. So I would use it to like move like QuickTime files if I was working on effects or something like that. We started using it for that stuff right away.
0: How long did that take? Dude, It was it's, <laughs> la- it's, it's laughable. Like what we would do
3: like to move like yeah. a you know like 143K file, which oh, was like God. barely visible, or you'd have your real player window up, and <laughs> it was like this. I used those in the movie. There was, I mean, the movie has a lot of ugly aesthetic on purpose because the internet was really ugly back then. Yeah. And in, ni- in the early 90s, it was crazy ugly because it was just this gummy blob, and you'd be like, wow, look at that. <laughs> a, a gummy blob. Blah.
0: <laughs> I mean it, it the transfer rates were in like bod oh, I yeah, remember so like,
2: like trying to download a 10.9 megabyte file and like starting it at night getting up in the morning for school and going not ready yet Oh uh,
3: yeah <laughs> the whole world was like that if you yeah. were working on like in effects or something if we were doing music videos or whatever you'd you'd, you'd render some tiny little stupid effect yeah. on like a guitar player like I want to put some blue and like some gravel effect in his guitar it's like okay you hit render and you leave for three days yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you you, come you, back. you really had to schedule your uh, <laughs> it masturbation time. time. Oh, totally. Because yeah. yeah.
0: you go, okay, I'll start downloading in the morning, Yeah. then I'll have dinner, and then at about mm-hmm. 8 o'clock, I'll be ready to Ooh, go. Yeah. I can't
3: <laughs> wait. <Yeah. laughs> then it's the wrong file, and it's broken anyway. No! Yeah. Tomorrow! If, if you, you, got, got, if you yeah. got just enough of it, Yep. that was the thing. <laughs>
0: I think that's Areola.
3: Yeah. Uh, exactly. All
0: right,
1: back to scrambled porn oh, on yeah. television. It's exactly. just the Mr.
3: Hand video again. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, some of this is Jenna Jameson, some is Steven Seagal, but I'm going to go with it Would anyway. <laughs> it's taken me nine hours. Oh, yeah. As long as he doesn't talk, with it doesn't, it's all right. I it's see a right half. At I least. see a ponytail, yeah. so it could go either way.
2: Ironically, his tits are bigger now.
0: <laughs> hey, good. That's awesome. Uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Put it on the board, Matt.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and even in just in in such a ridiculously short period of time now. I mean, yeah. like what well, watching. Watching Sean Parker say in maybe two thousand, or maybe it was even like ninety nine, um, when he said, uh, "Yeah, someday you know people will get their music on their phones. Like this is all going to be ubiquitous." And yeah, and and it was you know that was that was pretty pretty amazing to hear that that's
3: that's really the quote i mean even parker was completely gobsmacked when he saw that quote i played that at south by southwest the year before last when we first showed a a piece of the movie and that was the first of the kid uh, the kids they're not kids anymore the first that parker and fanning saw of the movie was that clip and it's pretty astounding because in 98 he basically lays out the world that we're living in today before iphones ipads itunes anything um, and he's 19 years old and he barely knows what the hell he's talking about you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you can so. tell when you hear these guys talk they my, my I, th- I think I think one of my favorite I'm gonna call him characters mm-hmm. uh, in the movie was the Nutella guy
3: oh Gene he's the best Gene com is the best who is
0: uh, <laughs> when when Fanning's saying or, or some, someone is saying like no one expected him to basically lay out this assault or maybe it was Fanning uh, yeah. uh, against that Senate subcommittee hearing. Yeah. And all all of his words are very much like you're all going down in flame. Yeah. But he talks very fast like this, and in this monotone voice. And so it's almost like hearing it's almost like hearing a, ro- a like 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 a machine get really passionate. Exactly. Yeah. But he, he never changes the tone of
3: his voice. I know. It's and amazing. There's no punctuation in his yeah. sentence. Yeah. He just proclaims the apocalypse yeah. in this really even tone, <laughs> and then walks away. And of course, he was 100 percent correct. Yeah. He's that guy. He was the Mac Daddy. He was an amazing dude.
0: But all those guys, like it, it all, you know, is. It, do, do you feel like the film? Um, do you feel like it's balanced in the sense that it, do you do you go well? Look, these these are all the. F- this is what happened mm-hmm. as, as, as well as I could put it together, and you guys decide whatever you think is right or wrong. Or do you feel like the film kind of has a, a point of view?
3: Um, I mean, I really tried to not create too much of a, of a point of view because, you know, my opinion has honestly changed so many times. Like a hu- one person's opinion, whether they admit it or not, changes a lot. Yeah. You know, so I didn't want to be like I did not want to be the arbiter for the digital revolution. I don't really want that responsibility. (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, But I also because I, you know, grew up making music videos and, you know, being involved with a lot of bands and stuff. I had a lot of sympathy for the record industry and a lot of really close friends in the record industry. And the thing that I wanted to show with the movie that was that was, you know, some people call it even handed or whatever. But for me, it's really simple. Innovation comes and it, evolutionarily, meaning it's going to come in, in waves, right? So, like, Fanning and Parker are like the Matola of their day. Sure. Like Donnie Einer, yeah. Seymour Stein, and Chris Blackwell, who were the three label guys I focused on, were the geniuses in their, you know, their late twenties, late teens, early 20s, and did incredible things to create the record industry that we have today. Um, so there's a lot of, sim- I mean, very much so, Parker and Fanning are going to be the establishment that are being overturned in 10 to 20, well, the way the world works now, could be five months from now, but you know what I mean? So like, yeah. I just kind of wanted to show that innovation happens and it impacts people. And it doesn't mean that, I mean, I think it's wrong. One thing I will say, and I try to show this, I think it is, Lessig makes his point really well and so does Barlow. I think it's wrong to villainize a generation, you know, for using technology the way that that it's it's there to use and you can't personify technological revolution you can't say it's all sean parker's fault that we doubt it's like no you know (laughs) this is the way technology was moving it would have been someone else if it wasn't him this is the world we live in right and everyone gets uprooted by innovation they always do i mean so that's it's unfair to like you know, to to criminalize our kids today and, like, brand them all as pirates, when mostly they're just like, oh, this is really cool. If you come up with a way for me to pay for this, I'll totally use it. Well, Otherwise, I'm going to do it the the
0: other way. It is, it was kind of, it's kind of fun to watch, like, the Ninth Circuit Court judge, who I gave a lot of credit to for being pretty savvy, but saying to the recording industry guy, wait, so none th- these Napster's not storing any of the music. They're not touching any of it. And the guy was like, well, uh, no. But, I mean, but this music is being pirated. And he yeah. was like, but they're not. Yeah, it's, he goes. It's user to user, right? Yeah. Yes, but uh, you know, and so yeah. and just trying. It, it was clear, like the rec- it, basically, they were trying to punch a ghost. Or they were trying to punch a cloud. Yeah, it's like they were angry that this thing was happening. That these guys had sort of facilitated this revolution. But from you know, from a legal standpoint, they weren't re- they weren't sharing any music. They were just making. They were just connecting people to share music one another.
3: Yeah, they just. I mean, the labels, you know on a certain level and you understand why they just wanted the whole damn internet to go away (laughs) i mean really if you boil down their legal defense that was it just please go away all you internet stuff yeah and i think we still live with some of that i think we still live with a lot of ignorance about how these technologies work and the way that people not to say you shouldn't legislate and you shouldn't create a monetizable system that doesn't you know artists need to get compensated that's a really really important issue today right um but you can't Legislate technology away. It's well, impossible.
0: But 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 even a lot of the um, you know even a lot of the artists who were in the traditional in the traditional model still didn't make. You know, like they still didn't make money from a single.
3: The percent, you're right. The percentage is. I mean, no matter what you want to say, the record industry stood to lose a lot of money in terms of the difference between the way they made money off CDs and the way they were going to make money off the one dollar single. Though they're beginning to figure that out now. The artists percentage wise have always the percent of of artists that makes money, a lot of money making music hasn't really changed. It's always been a very small percentage. It wasn't like before Napster. If you were a musician, you were going to get really rich, right? No matter what, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just wasn't. There was always a very small percentage you made it
0: because because if you got an advance, then a lot of times you spent the, a good portion of your <laughs> life, yeah.
3: paying that. You back. were an indentured yeah. servant. You really, you really yeah. were,
0: and and so uh, so I I still think some form of that model is still intact, which is, you know, people find out about. I mean, that's really that's the basis of what we do here. Is was founded in that, which is, hey, the you know the show's free if we perform live. Come see us. And then that supports the show, which right. is where, you know. Yeah. And before the artists were like, oh, well, this, the label is helping facilitate getting it in front of people on the limited channels that were available. Yeah. But now we can just go straight to people and go, here's a free thing. Come see us live.
3: Yeah. The intermi- the, the intermediary being sort of squeezed out of the process, which they don't need to be. There's There's plenty of room for them once they understand how to work within the new paradigm. You know that's that was a very that's the big seismic shift, right? Suddenly the the internet democratized everything, and everyone just went, oh crap! You know what are we going to (laughs) do? From the government to the record industry, the movie industry, everyone just like had a complete panic attack. Right, and they're still having a panic attack. I mean, literally across
0: every sector. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's
3: it's mass panic. You know, it's certainly not gotten more calm. It's gotten. I mean, that was the one thing people asked me, like, you know, what what did you learn making the movie since you'd been around the story for so long? I think the one thing that was surprising to me was how completely pissed off everybody still was. And also how little a lot of people had learned in intervening
0: years. Well, I'm sure you're going to, and you may have gotten this question a bunch, but I I just imagine like some slick reporter who thinks he's going to nail you. All right, Alex, tell me this what if someone downloaded this <laughs> movie for free? Every, every freaking Q&A.
3: Yeah. There's always that. I call him that guy. And I think they're expecting you to yeah. be like, oh, oh no, what am I gonna <laughs> oh, 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 Well, that's not okay. Yeah. Hey, the press conference is over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Flip <laughs> yeah. the entire long tail. Flip the yeah, There's always some smirking a-hole in the back of every Q&A <laughs> yeah. that I've done and I've done many. Get... Who's like, <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, yeah, it's like It's like Young Frankenstein. Where can time. I
3: download this for free? Yeah. Yeah. But Mr. Frankenstein, isn't yeah. it isn't it true? Yeah.
0: It's pronounced Frankenstein. Yeah. And
3: uh, then I and then I hit them with like a 40-minute answer about creative commons law, which bores the shit out of them and then I never get that <laughs> question again. <laughs> because like we, we don't live in 2003 anymore. It's like, yes, this movie will be streaming. Yes, you'll be able to effectively get it for free. But guess what? There will be ad revenue and people will be paid back and they're just like, oh, why do I ask that question? I also really I also
0: I mean, We don't
3: live in that world anymore. The torrenting community is is a fraction of the consumer community in this state. Yeah. and
0: i and I really do feel that that if people are a fan of something that they I think there's I think there is a little something about humanity that you feel a little weird just taking stuff for free I mean maybe maybe disposable stuff where you're like oh, I'll just download that because it's there. But, you know, like when we do shows, people bring us things. We, people offer to pay for episodes a lot of the time because yeah. they want to. And we're like, no, no, no you don't, it's totally fine. You don't have to do that. So I really do believe that, by and large, if people are fans of something, I know I will I will choose the pay option when I have it yeah. to support, you know. And I and I really feel like that that I mean I think I think good does sort of bubble up in that in that instance. Without
3: it, I mean, look, you know, there's a lot of people that that don't agree with this, but from from my perspective as a downloader and as someone who used those services, like what I saw happening in 2002, I remember saying this to fanny when I met him, when everyone was saying branding them as pirates, I was like, you guys just created an incredibly convenient service. The consumer is always going to use the most convenient service. Yeah, that doesn't mean the consumer are thieves. That was the thing that that. I think a lot of people on the other side never got, and that's the thing that Steve Jobs always got, which is the reason he was able to swoop in and claim 85% market share for all downloadable music, because he knew the consumer wasn't inherently thieves. He knew that they would pay for convenience. You give them something that's as cool yeah. as a thing that they're getting for free, and guess what? They're going to pay for it.
2: I do miss my Winamp skins.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can still get those. <laughs> yeah, but you can make those now yeah, for those yeah. sort of retro guys <laughs> like yeah. us, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's you a know.
3: flash site. You can just do yeah. Yeah. I still watch everything on my real player. <laughs> Dude, <It's> like,
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah.
2: That installer still launches every <laughs> <Yeah>. time.
1: <laughs>
0: Go onto Netscape.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that I think that the it's it's all starting to monetize. People are starting to get with the program. There's just a lot of anger that I think, frankly, at the end of the day, that the people, without any oversight from from the business or the government communities, were able to come in and do this without anybody being able to stop. Well,
0: what's what's you know, I think what artists have to remember is that while, you know, this like you said, democratized everything, and and so we as artists are more empowered. I think what some people maybe don't. Realize is that that the the well good or bad depending on how you look at it but the what comes with that is the responsibility as the artist to basically do the same job that a label would do or a promotional machine is it's now it's on you as the artist to like, all right, hey if you want this power, great. But now you have all this responsibility. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of a pain in the ass, but, you know, but then you'll get your, you know, the geek get to own your own
3: stuff. Yeah. Or the And the label's also, you know, really beginning to step up to the plate and, and figure out ways to work with the internet, which they have so that artists can get support and use the internet. I think someone like Adele is a really good example of that. Like, you know, where the music is good, they did come kind of come out of nowhere then they sort of got help from a the label, then they really broke. i think there's there's really it doesn 't have to be so divided i mean that 's the thing that seemed obvious to me back then was like why you know it sounds very you know tree huggery, but like why don 't you guys just all like work together right you know, and like create a system together moving forward, and it actually can work for everyone because art labels are to their credit really good at artist development they are they always have been they can screw artists, they can also be really good at developing artists like yeah. i don 't think we would have had Bob Dylan without. The, the support that he had Bruce Springsteen you think about some of the really biggest artists that seem so independent and they always had this massive artillery behind them that was really good at crafting them through yeah. all of the BS they had to get through
0: well it's just now there's so many cha- there's so many channels it's a it's a garbage dump
3: dude <laughs> 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 oh my god I mean I got kids you know and my my fourteen year old's like I don't know what to listen to I'm just like he ends up gravitating towards older good stuff because he knows it's good yeah he like he doesn't yeah. listen to anything post late like he's always listening to Nirvana like that's like his new as it gets for him (laughs) and i'm just like have you not heard of anything post like 1995 (laughs) (laughs) you know he's like yeah but this is classic this is great he's just he doesn't know classic this (laughs) very classic rock (laughs) dude yeah it's uh, it really is classic rock it's sad but true but it's like he doesn't sad but true classic rock rock! (laughs) 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 i mean kind of what you guys do it's like it's we're getting into this world now where people are beginning to curate yeah. Like you know, you like to go here or to yeah. go to this place or that place to get some. Your arms around this like catawall of crap that's out there. Yeah, I'm just but.
0: worried. I mean, like I, I I do appreciate the idea, and and of course, as someone who loves technology, I do, I do appreciate the idea of the algorithmic re- recommendation engine. But part of it makes me sad because I feel like oh, but you're they're just telling you stuff that you they know you would probably like, and you're so you're missing that. That human component of someone going, hey, here's something you probably never would have listened to that is so far out there, but you should totally listen to this. Well, yeah.
1: what, I, what I don't like about the algorithm thing, just like if you like this and this, it's, it's, it's mechanical. All it is is just kind of breaking down the aspects of it. It's like it's this fuzzy. It's this screamy. It's this quiet. It's this pretty. You know. But it doesn't like, you know, but bands like that I listen to don't often sound the same. Yeah. Sometimes they do. And that's what I always enjoyed about MySpace Music when it kind of became a thing is that you would have a band that you liked. You would go You go to their page and then you would have there they would have the top eight. And these weren't bands that sounded like them. These are bands that they also liked and had right. a, a similar like aesthetic and style that didn't necessarily mean music. And that's what that's what's missing. That's the human element, I think, that's missing. But from that's a lot like, of stuff. there's
3: I think there's a lot of stuff that's that's a uh, um, really short transitional stuff that we're living in. Like you know, Neil Young is there's a bunch of artists that are out there really griping about the sound quality of of downloading, mm-hmm. which is like such a blip in the radar of history, right? Because I mean, around the corner is going to be wave file sized music tracks that your average joke can broad, you know, has yeah. a big enough broadband to pull down very quickly and it'll sound way better than a CD ever sounded. That's around the corner. I mean, I think that a lot of these new services like Spotify that are are imperfect but certainly way better than what we had before are beginning to create ways for artists to interact directly. Like, what's so cool once it works is artists can interact directly with their fans in a way they never could before. So you can, the curation models that are coming, I think, are going to be amazing. Like, once that starts to get built into the architecture of the net more and people really get more accustomed to using it. Yeah. Because it's like, I love being, I have so much more interaction with my fan base. That's like what helped us get like, you know, the it, the freak re-released or like all the stuff that we've done has been done like a lot of times with our fans. You know, back in the day, it was like just, it was just, you were in a vacuum mm. and you never had any interaction with anybody and you just kind of guess your way through it. And I do like that. That's yeah. That's what I like
1: about Bandcamp. I think that's one of the better uh, music sites coming up. Is that you know bands could just start their own page. You can stream whatever they put up there, and then you have the option to buy it. But then on top of that, when you buy it, they get your email, and you could they could easily just send you a email going, "Thanks for buying our stuff." And then you kind of there's a more of a personal interaction with it. And they also have links to like bands they think you should check out if you like their stuff. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. I think Bandcamp is the one that's going to be kind of popping up if they just kind of get a better on UI. Bandcamp.
0: Can you build? Um... Can you build, like, a homepage for yourself? And, like, here's a bunch of music that I'm listening to, and can people follow you and see No, that's you're...
1: the thing about the UI. Is I think it, it needs to be, that, that, uh, like, that friendly Because that's that Yeah, like, that's what I love about RDO. Right. And RDO is, like, and that's the thing. It's a streaming service that's helped me buy more music. If I really like something, I'm listening to on audio that I found, I go and I get the record on vinyl. Right. You know, it's like it's. It, it, I think all the streaming stuff is going to actually help people buy more.
0: I have all of them. I I, I do tend to fall back on Pandora a lot because I feel like it's the simplest. Mm-hmm. Spotify I like, but there are so many different elements. It's like, oh, well, you can search one song, but then you can just listen to that song. Well, then you can build a station around this, but then you can like, yeah, it, it's like there there there's there are all. There are a lot of options with Spotify, which obviously it's probably good for the consumer, but at the same time, when you're kind of in the hurry, you just want to, like, oh, I just want to hit it, you know? Yeah.
3: For me, I like, I mean, I, I like Pandora and Spotify the best. And when I, first, Spotify, maybe because I'm used to the old way of of music, it's just like I want to be able to pull an album down. Yeah. And I like being able to go, okay, here's the whole thing, wham, send it across. Now I've just got that in my playlist and I'm done. And I can use it both as like a single music service or a radio or like for whole albums. It tends to work that way. I just, the thing that I miss is curation. You know, I miss exactly what you were saying. I miss the fact that that I'd like to, I'm not going to get turned on to new music by a bot. It just yeah. it's hardly ever happens. It's like, you know, if you build, you know, just to use a really obt- obtuse example. If you build like a Smith's channel, cause you want to hear some old stuff and you do that as radio. It's like they're going to they're going to give you that and, and mm-hmm. that and the cure and that and the cure and that and the cure and that and the cure until you want to <laughs> blow your head off. Well, maybe <laughs> some Not of like, Morrissey's solo work. Yeah, and then, yeah exactly. <laughs> but it's like it's so like completely arbitrary and and annoying um, it just becomes annoying, frankly. Yeah. I mean, I just want i want someone to come on and go, no, check this out. This is, like, left of center, but at least tangentially. It, tangential. it, it does
0: take some of the magic out of it when they're like... <laughs> it's a little bit of midichlorians when they're like, you chose this song because it has dark tones yeah. and, <laughs> yeah. and starts on the downbeat yeah. and has yeah. a four count. You know, you're yeah. like, oh, I don't want to know yeah, all that. These exactly. lyrics suck. This <laughs> guy is the worst. Right. It's yeah. like
1: there's something to, uh, you know, just... You know, like, when... When like Nirvana came out, then like you read an interview of Kurt Cobain, and he's like, he just says the Melvins, Black Flag, and you go, well, now I want to know about those bands. They don't sound like Nirvana, but like you want to go and check them out. That's the same thing about going to a record store. Uh, You're buying something. Guys like, oh, you like these guys? Well, Mm -hmm. you got to check out this band. Yeah. But these are the guys that came before they them. And
3: old labels like SST or some of the original yeah. labels that were, you know, had a pretty varied, you know, selection of music, but it all fit within some kind of window, but you wouldn't necessarily draw those exactly like yeah, Black
1: stuff. Flag to Lemonheads or right. something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: Where did you,
0: what, what did you, did you want to do, be an actor first or did you want to be a director first? Or uh, no,
3: director, really. I mean, I started acting, I was a child actor. So I was on Broadway all through my, and commercials and stuff all through my childhood. I started acting when I was 10. I got my SAG card when I was 10. So, um, but I always wanted to just. To make films so I went to NYU film school after doing all of that like I've quit acting like five times in my life <laughs> you know I've had like you know uh, I literally stopped acting for good when I was 16 the yeah, first time yeah and uh, then I went to film school uh, I went to NYU and I came out of NYU and I moved to LA to make movies and you know I was like 20 and so I was totally broke and yeah. in debt up to my butt um, and so I you know I still had a manager in age and agent I was like can I go on some auditions because I'm broke and then I booked, like, Lost Boys and Bill and Ted's, like, back-to-back. <laughs> <laughs> this is easy! And I was, like, I was, like, living in this crappy apartment in Venice with my roommate from NYU, who was, like, he was, like, delivering pizza, and I was, like, doing Lost Boys. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, that was Tom Stern and we made the idiot box and Freak together and all that stuff. So well, like so even in those acting days I really was mostly shooting. Like I would go I never really had a Hollywood lifestyle. I always had like this kind of indie filmmaker lifestyle. I would go home from the set and like, you know, we had a, a, a you know a Steenbeck in our apartment and we were like making short movies and music videos and um, and as soon as I could pay my rent without acting, I stopped acting. So I stopped acting. Oh, wow. I stopped acting professionally in 93. Wow.
0: Hmm. Well, I know that a lot of times, uh, you know, because we are Lost Boys and Bill Intense fans, as long as I always like to go up to Santa Cruz for those big saxophone
3: rock concerts. Yeah, that, and uh, like oil down your chest. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All the kids. Uh, yeah. Every summer
1: I go and see him. Yeah.
3: Well, that Lost Boys is one of the first sort of documentary, yep. you know, feature we're, films we're about really? the youth movement. <laughs> yeah. The youth of the day. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: Who loved eating maggots. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yep. uh, and
3: had hair extensions and more yeah. chaps. <laughs> and um, had like plastic squids coming off there so, i mean it was there was a lot you know a lot of, it was a very method movie for us we just kind of brought a lot of ourselves yeah you know a lot of
0: young
1: men had yeah.
0: rob low posters in their room yeah i yeah, mean absolutely. it was very accurate to yeah. what we were all doing yeah. at the time comic book yeah.
1: store at the boardwalk makes total sense yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right
1: next to the bumper cars i see it every day yeah yeah that was good
0: i mean you know like well obviously <laughs> lost voice was great i mean you know bill and ted's is one of those movies that like when I saw it, I was just exactly the right age for it. Like, oh my god, you know. And then it wasn't until a bit later where um, I completely appreciated on the second level for the Doctor Who connection. Yeah, uh, which obviously because I think. Um, Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson. Yep, that's Um, very well done. I I believe that um, they were, I I went to UCLA and I was in Mm -hmm. this thing called the UCLA Comedy Club, which was a group of stand-up comedians. And I think Chris and Ed maybe were. They did, yes. They were like a few few, uh, few years prior. Mm Mm-hmm. So they were the guys that sort of came out and then like they fucking wrote Bill and Ted's. Yeah, and
3: it grew it grew out of that comedy group because uh Bill and Ted started as a stand-up routine that Chris and Ed used to do at college at UCLA. Oh shit, that I and, did not know. Yeah, and um and they played Bill and Ted and then they would sort of tour around playing the characters and then they wrote a script riffing off of it and then uh, and then we made the movie. So it was, uh, yeah, it grew out of... what well, I think that's one of the things people ask me all the time, like, why people still like the movies, like, what makes a movie stand the test of time? And A, nobody knows, obviously. <laughs> but, like, the one thing with those movies that I think stands, you know, has gives it some longevity is that it was written by two really close friends, and it's played by two really close friends, and there's, like, a genuine camaraderie to it that is has a kind of infectious quality because it's sincere, yeah. and none of us thought the films were going to go anywhere at all. <laughs> like, they weren't some big studio movies. They were both independent movies. Neither, no. You know, so...
0: And I would imagine most of the stuff you're shooting where you're like, <laughs> who is going to watch this ridiculousness? Totally. Yeah,
3: completely. Mm-hmm. So they, they, I mean, they were enormous amounts of fun for that reason, because they were just, like, everybody were re- we were all really good friends, and we just kind of, like, did whatever the hell we wanted, and there were <laughs> literally less than no expectations expectations <laughs> about, <laughs> about where it was going. So. Yeah, that kids,
0: lower your expectations. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Well, I think it's okay to lower your expectations as long fun. as you're having fun. Yeah, yeah, as long as you're having... So were you... Did... Uh, what, was it a, a pretty
3: formal audition process, or did you? It was a crazy. Fu- it was a. It was like auditioning for the Olympics. Like I'd been. Like I said, I'd been around a long time by then. But like the reason Keanu and I became such good friends was that it took so freaking long for us to get cast. Yeah. That we were like bonded at the hip. Oh, so you guys
0: were just auditioning together. Auditioning. Over and every... Auditioning.
3: Auditioning. Auditioning. And we were paired off with like every other actor, and it went on for months. And then like f- it was, it was ridiculous. And then like the last audition was like it was sort of like the I don't know if you ever saw the movie they shoot horses, don't they? Oh right. It was. Kind of like you know dancing in the marathons during the depression. Like the last <laughs> audition was like thirteen hours long, and they literally brought everyone in, and they would let them go as they realized they weren't going to be Bill or Ted. Oh, and I was like, "What the fuck is oh this, my guys?" God. And like by like two in the morning, it was like me and Reeves were like kind of like wobbling on our legs. Like, Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome!
1: Doodle, <laughs> doodle, doodle! You got yeah. the jobs because you were the last one standing. <laughs> we were, the, we
0: were the last men standing. That was it. Well, I guess we cut everyone else. Uh. Yeah. Well, we start shooting. Tomorrow. Yeah, it's
3: like, oh, I wonder who they're casting. It's like if they would have cast someone else by then, it just would have been cruel and unusual <laughs> <Yeah>. punishment.
0: <laughs> but it, uh, um, my my best friend from high school actually storyboarded bogus journey which when he was working on it he had this placard in his because he was he, I went to college and he didn't go to college and he be, ended up becoming like one of the biggest storyboard artists in the film industry and that was one of his first movies and I remember there was a placard on his uh, car that was Bill and Ted go to hell yeah, that was and our then, title. For and years. then they made him Then at the last minute, they're like, "No, nah, you can't. You can't." Say no, go they changed
3: it from Bill and Ted Go to Hell to Bill and Ted's BJ, which I thought was <laughs> awesome. And, and, and believe me, we understood that when we changed the title. So. And then he was so he was pointing out all these these
0: Easter eggs, like when yeah. they're uh, w- when they're having the séance, and it's I think that's Ed and Chris. It in is, there, yeah, yeah. And uh, like Denomalous is Ed Solomon's name backwards. Yeah. Oh wow! And then and then one of the chants I think was some their names or something yeah.
3: something weird like yeah, that. Yeah, that's it. That's all right. Yep. Oh, yeah, there's so a ton awesome. of crazy stuff in that movie. It wasn't like
1: stationed. It just came out of like a delirious like rewrite or something like that. Yeah,
3: that was one of the biggest biggest. I mean, these are really <laughs> close friends. one of the biggest disputes we ever had. Was like I remember reading the script for the first time and it was great. Um, we put a lot of work into it, and and then me just like guys, station isn't it just isn't funny. <laughs> it's just like there there are words that if you repeat them enough are funny. Yeah. Station is not one of them, <laughs> and and uh, you know and then I remember Ed. I don't remember whether it was recently or a while ago. I was like, you know you were right about Station. But I wasn't right about Station. People love Station. Yeah, like, I get more <laughs> yeah. people coming up to me telling me how much they love. There's like bands named Station. <laughs> so I was completely wrong. But uh, luckily I wasn't one of those actors who was like, I'm not doing this. You change <laughs> You take that name Station out. I'm not showing up. Those, really, those, really little, those little butt aliens. you yeah. are not going to fucking do that. Exactly. Uh, was the second one as much as fun as the first one? Yeah, it was It was because there was a little bit of, of validation because the first one had come out and you know we. We had the, we had a lot more um, not creative control. It's not like we didn't have it on the first one, but it was just like let's just make. Let's just make the weirdest, most far out possible sequel we can. That was kind of our. It wasn't like let's be safe and like see if we can make a Back to the Future franchise. I was like let's blow this shit up. Sure. <laughs> let's just let's just like stick dynamite in it and explode it.
0: Because at that point, so, people with the with the, with, a, with a few major exceptions, people weren't really doing trilogies. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, like with the you know obviously with like uh, Godfather and Star Wars. I mean, like the, the, there were trilogies, but yeah. it wasn't like now, studios. Do think in trilogies.
3: oh completely yeah there wasn't a franchise mentality in those days and it wasn't like it was before actors were being paid fifty million dollars a movie so it was like we got paid five bucks for the first one and we got like five seventy five for the second one <laughs> nice bump it was yeah. we fought hard for that <laughs> nice. but I did yeah you know, I did walk away a couple times but um uh, the reality of it was was that we just we just all went into it going let's just make something nuts let's just go nuts and so yeah it was enormous fun and then also you know, having Billy Sadler's death, and just like yeah. getting to set for the for that <laughs> sequence <laughs> and watching him do his thing, it was like we all were like, "Shit, why did we write the whole movie about this guy?" <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> it's that's like, a great character.
3: Yeah, he's so good, and yeah. he was he yeah. was
0: great in it. But like, really great, like Joss Acklin was was fucking, great, was fucking awesome he, too. Yeah, but he
3: hated every minute of it, but he was because <laughs> yeah. he
0: had come off uh, Lethal Weapon two, Lethal
3: and he was like this big Shakespeare actor. I mean, yeah. he was just miserable. And he being was in a, these weird these weird future platform clothes. shoes, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it was it was all a blast, you know, and not being able. To play ourselves as villains was fun. It was oh, great. Yeah, cool. yeah, it was great.
0: And so, are there? Uh, is there going to be? I keep hearing like there is going to be another one. It's going to be those guys. No, it's going to be new guys no it's not happening now like I always feel like I hear it's always in some stage of a cycle of it's happening no it's not happening yeah
3: well I mean, here's the reality of it it's just like we we kicked the idea around for a long time we always kick idea like so, sort of how the whole thing came about even for Chris and that, it was just like wacky ideas that they kicked around that then became a movie then the second one was suddenly now they were stuck with me and Reeves and the four of us were kicking shit around and that became the second movie And for like the last 20 years, like whenever we're hanging out, we just kick ideas around. And then eventually we just hit one that we all thought was we're like, oh, we should actually do this. This is great. And so um, we we came up with a story. They went off and started working on a script. And then that kind of got leaked, which is fair enough, and like, and so we had to start talking about it because it's like downloaded. Yeah. yeah, the the internet being what it is, it's like you kind of are damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's sure. like it's like if you say nothing, then it, then the trolls just like destroy you. Yeah. It's like, we know this is happening. You're a scumbag. Why would you? <laughs> you know. And then if you say something, they're like, yeah, but it's not happening. So why did you say something? And it's not? I'm just like, oh, whatever, guys. So come it's, on, you know, it's <laughs> like so you can't really do anything other than just induct people into the tedium that is getting a movie made. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because It's like the yes, no, up, down. That's welcome to show business. That's how it works. Yeah. So it's like we're, you know, download It took me 11 years to get made. So now you're wow. stuck on the ride with us for Bill and Ted 3. <laughs> you asked for it. Now you're on the ride. So sit back and enjoy the ride. That's right. It goes up. It goes down. We're yeah. making it. then no, we're not. It's these guys. Then it's those guys. Welcome to the movie business. Jeez. Is it? Is so it, is maybe it, we'll make it one day. Is hopefully. it
0: attached to a studio or is it just the development? Um,
3: It's though? just a, we're just developing it on our own. You know, we have a blessing from the studio that owns it to develop it and if we can put all the ducks in a row in a way that everyone loves it we will get it made and that's that's all there is to it other than that we're working on it but it, it is a phenomenal script the guy i mean chris ned wrote it. it is it's amazing and you, if at some point we can't get it made i will upload the pdf to the internet so are you going to direct it if it goes no i don't want to direct it. i mean we band- bandied that about but like i know this sounds ludicrous but it's actually, it's not terribly easy playing Bill because <laughs> he's, <a, laughs> yeah. he's in every single scene. <laughs> all, you know what bad. I mean? <laughs> like the, and like the thing, one thing I learned about on Freaked, even though I didn't direct that by myself, Tom, well, Tom Stern swear, was, yeah. had enormous amount of work to do and he's a brilliant director. But um, even that, even co-directing Freaked was like almost killed me and I was 25, you yeah. know, and, I, and that was, you know, more than two or three months ago. Well, Plus he had so much prosthetics on. Too. Well, it was like four hours in, two hours out every yeah. day. And the, and there's a lot of prosthetics in this one if we make it. So it's, um I can't, there's just no way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well,
1: I want to I know about like when you guys, how it came about that you got to do a sketch show for MTV, like with Tom. Oh, I, really? I, I, work, I worked with Tom uh, twice. I wrote on the Annie Milonaka show oh, cool. season two. And then I uh, I was a uh, couple of the mole men and solved of the mole men. Oh, I did
3: one of those voices Yeah, too. you were the king mole Yeah, yeah. Um.
1: I was Clancy.
3: Uh, oh, Clancy. Not that the voice, great. just the body. All right. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Um, So, yeah. So, me and Stern, we went to NYU together, and we made a bunch of short films together, and we hooked up with Sam Raimi when we came out of NYU based on our senior project, this crazy movie called Squeal of Death. And uh, and Sam and his partner tried to uh, get movies off the ground for us, and, and nobody was interested. Um, and we made very, very weird, irreverent stuff. and this was pre south Park and Tim Burton and all this. So there was just no room in the marketplace we were, everyone looked at us like we we're space aliens. <laughs> and then Bill and Ted did well. and MTV called me into their offices and I'd done a bunch of stuff for MTV um, for years, like you know offsite type film stuff. And they were like, "Do you want to guest VJ as Bill?" And I was like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine anything worse, frankly. But thank you for asking me for a job. And how about we've got this script that Sam Raimi's been trying to get made with no luck. It was an anthology comedy that nobody was interested in. So we converted that into the idiot box. Oh, wow. And they basically had never really done live action before. So they just said, here's less than dollar fifty, but you can do whatever <laughs> you want. So we had c- complete creative control. It was like the most fun I ever had. Yeah, so, I can't
1: imagine the flying gimp getting through. Yeah, it was super You're violent. Right. What so, year was that? 91. Oh, yeah, that's when they were still, yeah, yeah. It was
3: liquid television. It yeah. was like, yeah. there was nothing live action on MTV. And we were literally given f- complete free reign.
0: Well, that's like, th- th- that, that, that lasted, I think, about, that, that sort of era of freedom lasted probably like 10 or 12 years because, you know, Weird Al was saying when he would do Al TV, they would go, just give us four hours of programming and he so, would just go make something and just hand them the tapes and they'd be like, thanks. Like, no one <laughs> yeah. checked anything. Like, yeah. Yeah.
3: There was no S P Like, yeah. there's no standards of practices. Like, the shit we were doing was totally insane. And then they gave that VJ slot to Polly Shore and that became totally Polly oh, wow. oh, shit. So that's what happened. And, um, and we ended up doing the Idiot Box and then they came to us to do a season two and literally, honestly, they, I don't think they actually paid us anything so we were like losing money to make it and we're like we can't physically afford to do another season Um, so we turned that into freaked and that became freaked Wow, so Freaked right. was basically like an idiot box movie. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. And by then, Hollywood woke up to what we were doing and stopped us in our trap. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, they woke, somebody woke up somewhere yeah. who smokes big cigars yeah. and was like, what the? R- r- yeah. Squash. Yeah, yeah. Who let that through? <laughs> what the hell is. Oh, <laughs> oh my
0: goodness. Did you feel. So you felt. Did you really feel that way, though? Literally, did you actually feel that way? Like, that Hollywood was like, wait a minute. Oh,
3: completely. I mean, you know, same thing happened with Freaked. We're like, I think they thought because I was in it and Keanu was in it, even though he's covered in hair, that they were somehow going to get a Bill and Ted style movie. And we were what we were doing was completely off the rails. And it was like, like Mad Magazine meets R. Crumb meets, you know, yeah. whatever, Zap Comics, and and uh, the sort of acid-fueled psychedelic comedy. Um, it was basically a, an expensive cult movie, and we wrote it originally with the Butthole Surfers to do as a low-budget rock horror movie. Oh, really? Yeah, that's how we wrote it with Gibby Haynes. The original Freak, <laughs> was, was, a, that. Freak was originally written with Gibby, and it was for, written for the Buttholes, and we'd done a bunch of short films for the Butthole Surfers in those days. And we tried to get it made as like a $250,000 like Corman style you know rock horror movie yeah. and everyone said no so we re-pitched it to the heads of Fox and it got $11 million <laughs> Jesus
0: oh my god in, in, in like 90 in,
3: in 92 it was a lot wow. of money it was a lot of money we were 25 years old and we and again we were just given complete creative free range.
0: so that's probably like I don't know what 30 or 40 million dollars yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: You know, and it was a total psychedelic cult movie and eventually, you know, somebody there woke up and was like, "What in God's name are we doing?" And it was like, you know, it was the era when Rupert Murdoch was trying to make more family-friendly fare mm-hmm. at Fox. <laughs> so, I think somebody was like, "Oh crap, we have to stop this immediately." Yeah. So, that's crazy. Know.
0: And then after so coming off that project, did you feel it's kind of like, ah, fuck, well, the jig's up. Or do you, did you feel like, well, I don't know, I'll figure this out still? Oh,
3: not at all. I mean, the thing was is like Tom and I had been working together for nine years by then. So it was like we kind of both wanted to go do other stuff. So it was like even during Freak, before that whole debacle happened, we were like, you know, this is like the apotheosis of the crazy stuff we do together, which had mostly been underground short films. So we'd never had this sort of, you know, agenda to kind of try to take it. We knew our stuff was too irreverent, that style to do anything mainstream with. So for me, I wanted to, like, go and just work on my—I was really young. I wanted to go and just work on my writing and my directing. I started a commercial production company and started writing scripts and developing my voices on my own. Wow. So, no, it, was, it was actually a fantastic training ground. It was, it was awesome.
0: So no wonder that with the advent of the internet, you were just probably salivating like, "This is my home."
3: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I, I belong. I here.
3: understand you people, <laughs> and you understand me. You can flame me. I like you. I like being flamed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sitting alone, naked, just smearing exactly. poop. I like it.
2: I
1: love the internet.
0: I am home. Mm. Uh, so, what? Uh, uh, how much stuff now? Do you do? Do you do stuff online? Like as like, do you sort of have like a pseudonym, or do you make stuff like
3: secretly? No, I mean, I no, I mean, I I work mostly in mainstream. I mean, I do a lot of TV commercials. Yeah. And I direct a lot of TV and a lot of different stuff. And um, there's still money in TV commercials. Yeah, there <laughs> is. There's, there's a lot of money in TV, commercials, and there's great stuff going on in TV. And yeah. I write TV shows, and and there's really great stuff. Cult- there's creatively. That's a great terrain. That's mostly where I'm at in terms of you know the day in day out. Uh, the Annette, I you, I, I mean, I'm a big believer. The one thing I never liked about celebrity for myself was I like I don't like uh, the isolation. You know, I like writing subways. I like interacting with fans directly. So I'm completely open on the Internet, like whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever. I'm like, people come to me like, oh, how do I find you? I'm like, well, why don't you just type in my name and then, <laughs> you know, and then send me an email? Oh,
0: my God. You and Keanu yeah. could not have taken more opposite <laughs> exactly acts in that sense. So, like,
3: I'm not, I just don't, I don't like the disconnect. It's, I don't feel, I've never felt comfortable with it. I like sort of just being in the trenches. <laughs> so.
0: do, you, do, you, do you ever talk to him and you're like, I'm riding a subway. And he's like, yeah, this isn't so great for me. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. like the sad Keanu meme. Like, yeah. oh, a guy can't even fucking sit down on a right, bench. Yeah. He, well, a we,
3: sandwich. To be fair, I mean, he's, he's, of all the, and maybe it's one of the reasons that we stayed close friends for so long. I mean, he's basically like my brother. He's one of my very best friends. And we go we go all over the place together. And it actually isn't as bad as you would think because he's pretty uh, accessible in yeah. person. Um, he's one of the only actors of that stature, I know quite a few, that are, though. I mean, usually you, you get turned into Princess Di, and, like, your life is totally, you know this weird bubble you have no idea what the hell's going on right? and you have your handlers to rely on but Reeves is not like that and like it's funny because I think I I forced him to tell this story on Jimmy Kimmel I'm not sure how happy he was because Jimmy's a friend I was like make Keanu tell you the Halloween story if he comes on (laughs) he made him tell it but, the, but we were at a restaurant, and we, we walked into a restaurant in the West Village together a few years ago and forgot it was Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we walked in at like 2 in the afternoon like to have a long lunch, and we just sat there and ate for like six hours. And when we came out, we were in the middle, in the oh. middle of the Halloween parade. Like surrounded by forty thousand fucking people, (laughs) and like I was, and for me I was like, shit, what's gonna happen to Reeves? Like I felt bad, you know. And all that happened, nobody paid us any attention at all, except for like one drunk guy who walked past and goes, "Look, it's two old fat guys trying to be Bill and Ted." (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not—that's the truth. (laughs) That is not not making that up. That is verbatim. (laughs) Oh shit. (laughs) So there you have it. That's well, great.
0: I think uh commercials are I find pretty interesting because it's an industry where, you know, people are like people are watching commercials, people are watching, When I go, "Yeah, but if they're good. Yeah. People will watch them. Or people, you know, if people put up a, a good commercial online, then, you know, like on YouTube, then people will pass it around. Like people just wanna see good, funny things.
3: Oh yeah. I mean I that the whole idea of, of internet killing ads and I think content in general is complete paranoia. I think that unfortunately the inverse is gonna happen where things are gonna get so regulated that you're stuck watching ads in ways you may not want to online. But it's all gonna get. It's gonna be baked into the net, just like it was baked into TV.
0: I don't think you know. I just don't. I, I just don't see pre rolls being the wave of the future. <laughs> I see, you know, yeah. I don't see like a fucking. A, you know, when, when I, <laughs> as impatient. And and I feel like I'm somewhat patient. Yeah. And I know most people are less patient, but to sit through a 30 second pre-roll ad on like a 4 minute video that you watch. Yeah, you're watching,
3: no, you uh, have to find other ways to get the ads in. I'm, yeah, I'm not saying they'll be exactly the way TV yeah, was. For yeah. sure they'll be different, but they're 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 thinking of creative ways to to infuse content with advertising and that's not going to go away.
0: Right. I mean, it's it's. I think it's more branded content. I think it's more. I think it's you know like Palmolive Olive presents the way TV started. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was it,
3: be, it's, and that is absolutely that's happening with that's how, how we sold downloaded. I mean, like that's that's the way you know our movies coming out. Um, it was really important for me for it to have a str- you know digital life. So it's coming out, um, theatrically small, you know, art house theatrical, iTunes, CVOD. But then AOL um, is is partnering up with VH1 and us, and we're doing a streaming rollout through AOL, which is really interesting. And uh, and that aggregates across all different kinds of portals. There's all different kinds of ways to see it that way.
0: God, I still I still am. That idea of you know pre-internet bubble bursting, where, where it just the fact that Napster raised more than a hundred million dollars but just didn't really have a revenue m- yeah. m- model. <laughs> we're like, well, I don't know. There's there's something here. You know, it's yeah. that that whole that time of the internet where people totally. are like. Where they go you could reach the entire world yeah and then they do that flawed math they go all right there's six billion people if you could just get
3: one percent of those people the yeah. are like
0: yeah, it doesn't really work but well, then the
3: same thing happened with Twitter like people never learn yeah and like 10 years later happened with Twitter it was like oh this guy's got four million Twitter followers let's give him a movie. But nobody came. Where were his Twitter followers? Yeah. If even a third of those people came to the movie, we would have made our money back. What yeah. happened?
1: Yeah. I you hate know. hearing that. Like I remember when I was working at uh, E, like you'd pass by a door and you hear it's like it's like, we have to cast him. Do you see how many Twitter followers he has? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just like yeah. sunk down. Yeah. Made.
3: That that worked for like five minutes. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was like, you know, for the amount of time that Comic Con was deciding which movies were being made. Yeah. Right. You remember that era? It was oh, like, yeah. whatever they say. Yeah. Whatever those Comic Con guys say, we gotta do that.
1: It was Scott Pilgrim that kind of took it out, right? Because I remember that was like the one they were like, "This is it. This is going to be huge at Comic Con. Then everyone's going to see it." And that, then, like, that
0: year at Comic Con
1: was and insane. also fuck
2: you for not seeing it. that movie's amazing. It's a great movie. And, yeah. and that
0: that that year at Comic Con was insane because like the the the, we, the, this, the hotel we were in, like the Bayfront, I think the Hilton. The, the, the Hilton, yeah. The, the entire, entire goddamn side of the building was Michael Sarah and the yeah, Scott Pilgrim. I remember bros, that year, yeah. And bro. I'm sure they must have just been like. You know, just like lions before a kill, they were like, yeah. "Guys, we are going
1: to <laughs> yeah. be
0: billionaires. Yeah. Let's yeah. drink
1: up tonight because the battle's going to be easy tomorrow." <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> sir,
0: the the first day reports are in. What's that now? Um, Sorry,
1: <laughs> oh no. what so i What happened? Yeah. I must, must be hungover. They must have been pirating it.
3: That's <laughs> what it was. They pirated it. The
1: internet. <laughs> no, That's no, no. what Someone killed comes us. comes in
0: and says,
2: sir, the first day reports it, and he's like, all right, how much of a raise do I give the marketing department? <laughs> Let's see. Oh.
1: <laughs>
3: Fire the entire marketing <laughs> yeah, department. I guess uh, I could
0: uh, bury a billion under a lake just to yeah.
1: keep it there. Yeah,
3: I told That'd you we should have used Ashton Kutcher in the lead. <laughs> he's got four million Twitter followers. No,
1: you did it again. But we're
3: still sure Harry Potter hasn't turned a profit, right, bookkeepers? God... <laughs> oh my God. Uh, well, I want to know. I want to know about uh, the the Gate remake. Uh, I have less to say on that. because it's not in my hands at all. it's oh, so okay. like the producer of the original Gate. I've been working with him, and and they're great people. They've made a lot of really big movies. But we're 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 develop, We're concepting a remake that would be as sort of subversive as the first one was, yeah. but for kids. <laughs> um, well, the first one was for kids. Too. I, lo- I love. I do the too. Gay. I love I I think the gay. Gay, It's like a really yeah. underrated movie. It's yeah, fun. I love it too. And I love the. I, I love this sort of Amblin era of movies when they used to put kids in jeopardy. And 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 I've got boys, and I can tell you they like those movies. So yeah. like, I think Abrams had a lot of balls doing that with Super Eight. But there hasn't been too many movies like that in the last twenty years. So I I'd think, love to make one. Yeah, I think the uh, uh, Jordan vogt Roberts movie that just came out, Kings of Summer. Kings right. Of uh, Summer. Yeah. That
1: Like that has the Amblin era. Like, yeah. And he mentions that a lot. Too, yeah. Just like you know, these kids are they're drinking beer, they're smoking yeah. cigarettes, they yeah. get like you know they get hurt. Yeah. That's what it should be, and
3: one that's kind of fantastic. One that's sort of like nightmarish, the way Poltergeist or you know uh, some of those movies were in those days is something I, I would love to do. So yeah. hopefully they'll get the financing and I'll, mi- I'll do it. But I'm I'm pretty busy on other stuff, so we'll yeah, see. what yeah. happens. it, I it remember,
1: scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. This is a yeah. fucking great movie, and that's just great. all the practical effects are yeah, great. Yeah. And like a, there's a like there's an awesome GIF online that shows yeah the, like,
3: the minions turning into the the dead workman. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. amazing with Ugh. the foreground miniature work. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. I Unless just Randy Cook who did Lord of the Rings. I mean they had like. You know, for a $3 million movie, they had, like, the greatest special effects mine's working on. Yeah. So By fun. the way,
0: I almost always, when I'm meaning to say Super 8, I almost always go, so when Abrams did 8 Millimeter, like, those are two <laughs> <laughs> totally different. Yeah, yeah. Those are not those' Don't same. send your I fan base to that movie. <laughs> yeah. Thematically, yeah. I jerked off the same. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my Matthew. God. I'm sorry. Matthew. <laughs> Boo on both fronts. <laughs> Boo on both fronts. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I remember when I saw when I saw a Millimeter in the theater. It was I don't think the intended reaction. There's a scene where uh, Nicholas Cage at the end just has a he just has a breakdown because he just can't take it anymore. Yeah, he's just seen so much and he's gone through so much. That's where I climax. That I mean, where he goes, he has one of those no, where he's yeah. like. No! And yeah. he does that, and the fucking this in full theater, and it's like everyone just bursts out laughing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think this is
3: that's where that the, in, not the intended to that. reaction. Yeah, that was where that and, was and yet was he was has that. that reaction in every movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's got
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: like Nicolas Cage making every choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. No! yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Uh, so what do cool. you
3: what do you what's next? What do you what do you want to? Um, well, I'm working on another doc, I'm building another documentary right now about uh, children in show business, ah. which is really fascinating. Something
0: yeah. you know a little. Something bit I know of. a little bit about. Yeah. And, so. uh, and by the way, good job for turning out normal.
3: Like that <laughs> yeah. is a real. That, yeah. That's this movie is kind of about why that you have a slim chance in hell of that happening. It's you.
0: pretty <laughs> crazy. Like when yeah. you when you really see like there's <laughs> there's almost uh, there's almost this. Uh, do you remember that uh, Harrison Bergeron story? Where it's like ev- everyone is basically equalized, and so people who are stronger are more like they're basically hobbled with all this weird stuff oh, to yeah, keep yeah, them. Yeah. So yeah. I-, I feel like as a child actor, you have all that stuff placed on you, yeah. and if you can somehow shake it off and get through, yeah. then. You're actually kind of a super person. Exactly. for Exactly. For, Forgetting that's through it. That. It's, it's
3: sort of like a video, like the hardest video game in the world, and you're supposed to develop at the same time. Yes. So try to do both of those things, it's pretty. It's like juggling, you know, chainsaws and. I don't cabinets, know
0: how it happens. You, know. you but, must. Have had, you must have had a good family. Well, <laughs> that, that, that,
3: it takes. It takes a minute, but um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's yeah, that's what I'm working on. I'm working with the, the producers that did Undefeated, the yep. uh, the doc from yeah. a couple years ago, and uh, so I'm putting that together right now.
2: Hopefully. I bet. I bet college. Helped like going to college, probably helped,
3: yeah. And like, you know, having an interest like, I, you know, for me, I always had an interest outside of of celebrity, so it wasn't, I was always, I was never really chasing that, yeah, you know, so it was like I was grounded in other stuff. Um, like I, and I never, like I said, when even when I was doing those movies, I was like, I had this sort of normal kind of like, you know, collegiate kind of home life where we were making stuff and yeah. it was fairly normal. I feel so bad for Justin Bieber. I really do. Like he does. I do too. He doesn't yeah. know
0: any better. Like yeah. when, when you're a kid and yeah. you're growing up and for X number of years, it's very easy. Like no matter what you do, people are like, that's the greatest thing ever. Exactly. And then yeah. at a certain point they're like, that's the worst thing ever. And you're yep. like, what am I? What did I do? I don't know what I did different. Like he—he literally leather shirt. No, I know that, but no one (laughs) is there. Yeah, no one is there telling. Like he doesn't have like a friend structure like you would have when you're growing up. Where someone's like, "That is a stupid shirt. Why don't you take that off?" Like everyone's like, "Hey, good job, JB. Hey, that's a pretty sweet shirt." So he just doesn't know, and you (laughs) can see. You can see him in pictures now, where he just—it's almost like he's trying to process the world because the, the paradigm, his paradigm, has shifted. Yeah. And I just feel bad. And of course he's going to fucking start to go crazy. Well, and like,
3: yeah. And also, you know, I feel my heart goes out to people like that that are under that kind of scrutiny because at the point at which the public and the media turn against you, yeah, that's a very powerful force working against you. Yeah. So even if you have all the grounding in the world, that's a hell of a force to fight back against. Well, imagine you being- have to almost be able to say, okay, I quit. I'm leaving the. Business for a while screw all of you you have to imagine come it, back
0: you're, you're like you're in a relationship you for go to nyu you're in a yeah, relationship yeah. for exactly. four yeah, years seriously. or brown like emma watson yeah um or, or or you uh you're in a relationship for four years and for four years it's great and there's not really any bumps and the other person's like this is my soulmate and then all of a sudden one day they're like fuck you and you're like what happened what happened yeah. i don't know what i don't yeah. touch me
3: you know yeah. it's like on a dime yeah totally how,
0: how could you how yeah. could you wrap your mind Only around that? Only there's
3: 80 million of them. <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: well that's that's good. i yeah. and so is your is your is your take on it are, are you more of like, well, I'll just step back and kind of see how it plays out, or... or... Well,
3: again, sort of like the way I like to come at, at the, these stories is not... I try not to, you know, I'm not of the doc variety, and I like some of these movies, but I'm not usually like, you know, here's my opinion, I'm going to ram it down your throat for 90 minutes. I sort of like to, to look at the, the various sides of, of this thing. Um, but I'm interested both in the present day, uh, and I'm going to be following present day people around, but I'm also interested in just the history of, like, when did little kids start working? Yeah, you know what yeah. is the history of like you know and sort of that that whole kind of look at, at capitalism and or the industrial age in terms of like when we started putting kids like to even work. to
2: the point of like you know like in the industrial revolution like, them exactly. in the mills and yeah. stuff. exactly yeah. going them in the chimneys
3: exactly I'm going back to sort of not for long part of the movie but I want to look yeah. at the Victorian era and then like <laughs> and vaudeville which is really interesting yeah. hey little, you're,
0: you're small fish those toxic chemicals out of that uh, <laughs>
3: exactly I'll hold on to your legs yeah <laughs> exactly little rascals like yeah. how no, they broke of, off all right yeah. there's more whatever next but I but I also think
0: that there was you know, certainly, um, you all know, all the little rascals turned out. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. take uh,
3: you can go talk to Robert Blake.
0: <laughs> but it, but the uh, uh, but the idea, you know, like in the Victorian era where I even think it goes back to just an idea of of a, a different approach to life and death or a different mindset of life and death. I mean, even those, um, you know, I I I, I had a, a mini fascination for a while with the Memento Mori pictures of like like the death pictures Mm. where um uh, because mortality rates were so high mm-hmm. that it wasn't, you know, I mean obviously I'm sure people were sad but it just seemed very much like oh yeah well some of us aren't going to make it right <laughs> exactly. to adulthood yeah. and even then some of us aren't going to make it very far yeah. and so you know just taking pictures of kid of just dead kids yeah. like well this will this will keep them fra-. so you know the is just just the the existential idea of what it means to be alive or dead or it's or that guy's a kid and you know like eh, throw him in there i'm sure you know yeah
3: i totally agree like one thing i want to look at and i don't know how much you'll make it into the doc is they kind of be they end up being living processes and stuff gets thrown out but th- what is a kid anyway like when did we start calling kids kids right like, mm-hmm. when did we decide that someone of a certain age these little people had their own kind of identity yeah. that ended at another certain point which has a big part in once you get into the child actor world of like and what you what you think they can handle developmentally yeah so
0: can I, can I can I pitch a sub a sub story to that? Sure. It's the idea of um with each each successive generation uh, uh the the extension of adolescence. Like this idea that adolescence and teenager is totally. a thing yeah. and not like well once you had puberty you got to get married and start working because that's nature saying you're an adult now. Yeah. And then and then and then society going well, it's sixteen. Well, it's eighteen. And now then, it's you know, forty. Yeah, now yeah. yeah, guys like you know, <laughs> guys like us, you know, yeah. thirties, early forties. Like, yeah. no, we're still like
3: totally. We're yeah. still
0: you know like yeah, that we're idea. even and
3: we're even kidding ourselves anyway. I remember seeing this as forty and thinking they should have called it this as fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, it. yeah Apatow isn't forty; he's yeah, fifty. Exactly. Let's call his pay a spade. This is about fifty, guys. This is not about yeah. forty. <laughs> you know, the, the bar just keeps raising yeah. higher and Every higher. I just always
2: wanted to know what it was like being a forty-year-old billionaire. Yeah, yeah. So hey, his business isn't doing too good.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess sell your fucking Ferrari. Yeah. I guess I like, <laughs> our, our record label is going to be okay. We got Ryan Adams. Yeah. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guess. I guess it's the. I guess it's the. You know. Life expectancy extending, and maybe it has something to do with that.
3: Yeah, I also think it's it's pop culture. I think that it's you know our our response to you know the age of gadgetry and like you know the the shock of the new. There's so many cool new things that we and I think how society is is responding to the digital and sort of tech revolution too is. I mean, I think it's scary and it's also exciting and you just, and you know there's a it'll even itself out. It'll all give us cancer.
0: Exactly, we'll yeah. all be dead. But but, yeah. but psychologically too, there's a you know. Even in even in sort of Mad Men era, it, you you look and you go, oh yeah, you know, at like twenty two, those people just took a job, and that was it. Yeah, and then they just kind of like completely. This is my life. Yeah, totally. And so you yeah. know, psychologically, something happens, and they sort of give up on that in, in a way, and then they're just. I mean, you know, you just you always look at old pictures, and you're like. Hey, whoa, whoa. is that is that a 45-year-old woman? Mm-hmm. No, no, she's 19. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> is, that, yeah. is that a 50-year-old guy? No, no, he was like 22. Yeah. Like everyone just yeah. looks Yeah. They so just hard. They look older
3: and I 22, know. 10 kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, in a way it's the res- it's the result of the of this, you know, the beat in the 60s revolutions, you know, where you had the beat generation in the 60s, you had, you know, the sort of summer of love generation that just said screw it. You know we're not going to follow that model. We're not. We're not going to grow up. I mean, the merry pranksters and all that yeah. kind of stuff kind of gave way once that connected with technology. Like all bets were off. You
0: know, you're <laughs> right because I think my 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 great grandparents, on my mother's side, are from Italy. And I think my great grandmother was like 15 or something when they got married and just and, and ended up having 11 kids. That's yeah, it. my
3: grandmother was 16 when she got married, and
0: they just you know like all right, yeah. well
2: just gross start. guys. Yeah. gross. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, there was a lot of teen banging going on, but they weren't you know. Teen banging, teen banging. Yeah, Damn. <laughs> which is your next movie after that? Right? No, I, I'm sort of folding that all into this one. <laughs> it makes it more marketable. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that dangerous element yeah, you were talking about. I'm making about. a very
3: heady show business talk about teen banging. <laughs> yeah, you I'd know, watch
0: it. I'm yeah. not when watch. I when I was, you know, like like I put the... it right
3: next to my copy of eight millimeter. Uh, <laughs> like that's, that's what the world's gonna do. It's <laughs> gonna, a... gonna make me a very rich I'm, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm a
0: child of the '80s, which was the apex of the teen sex comedy. Right. Of like. Yeah. Fast times ushered in that, oh, my God, they're like 15 to 16 years old and they're fucking and drinking. We're all supposed to be having sex. Yeah, yeah, I want to do those things. Yeah.
3: And like Lost Boys, it was it was identical to real life. In every just way. like it, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, yeah. just like we it. We were all yeah. studly swingers back in high school. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who would swoop down and then, oh, completely. then destroy yeah, people, just turning things away. Turning yeah, all but away. you know, but as soon as you found like another young hot guy moved into town, exactly, like, oh, we got to make him a part of the fold. Absolutely,
3: oil him up, <laughs> yeah, give him some hair extensions, slap <laughs> so some nice chaps on him. Such <laughs> a nice coincidence—he also
1: rode a motorcycle. Just yeah, just it just,
0: yeah, it just yeah. all sort of worked out. He didn't need to ride anymore; he could yeah. fly yeah. at a certain yeah. point. Yeah,
2: but still, that wind in your hair at ground level is pretty cool. Yeah. No one flies that close to the ground. Whenever they really develop flying,
0: spoiler alert: um, uh, one guy's the head vampire, and you don't see it coming. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so uh.
3: he was the one guy without hair extensions. Not to yes, give it that's away. Right. Yeah. yeah, but he was really cool. He was.
0: I always loved uh, uh, Bernard. Um, Herman. What was that? Is it? Oh, no, 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 that's a composer. Edward Her- Ed, Ed Ed Her- Herman, Herman Ed was the guy. Yeah. Who yeah. Was the head vampire guy. Yeah. Spoiler alert. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then Bernard, Bernard Hughes. Hughes. Yeah. Who was in like. He was in like Mr. Merlin and Tron. Like he was in. Mostly. He was in. Yeah. Who clearly like. In the 80s, he became like. If you needed a grisly old guy, he was your guy. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. He was great. The whole cast was. I mean, Shum- Joel Schumacher's is known for like really. Thinking outside the box, casting a... And that movie was... Like, Diane Weiss. Diane Weiss. Yeah. Had this amazing. crazy cast. You yeah. Know? Absolutely amazing. So, it was fun.
0: Well, uh, this was really great having yeah, you fun. on. Thank, Thank you. you so much. And, I, yeah. and I, So when is, when is Downloaded available? Downloaded
3: will be out uh, in theaters, some theaters, Art House theaters at the end of June, and then iTunes, Cable VOD in July, and then AOL in the fall. And nice. then Pirates awesome. Bay, right? And then now. VH1, 2014. <laughs> and yeah, and torrent sites. If you email me, I'll get you the link.
0: <laughs> and you are you are accessible online.
2: Yeah, I'm
3: easily accessible online. You, you, up any, up.
2: you got any invites left for Demonoid? And please troll me. What's that? <laughs> you got any invites left for Demonoid? Which is the torrent? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I'm it's just private.
3: nodding, pretending I don't know what you're saying, so <laughs> I, I don't get sued.
0: Still hanging on to, still hanging on to your news groups. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah,
3: it's, they're very IRC has stole a place to go.
0: <laughs> cool. Thanks, yeah. Alex. Good to Thank see you, you guys.
3: man. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Enjoy your burritos
1: great.
3: That was fun. Cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
0: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Hulu Plus. Don't forget to sign up for your free trial of Hulu Plus and start watching your favorite hit shows right now. Go to HuluPlus.com forward slash nerdist, all lowercase for your extended free trial. Again, huluplus.com forward slash nerdist.